As I said uh, already this morning, um, welcome to church, and uh, we're really glad that you're here. And this morning is going to be uh, this morning's going to be a sermon of participation. All right, so uh, you're going to see I work a lot, obviously, with our youth, and so you'll get to see maybe some of the things that they get to do. And so uh, Roy has already told me everybody is already gripped by the fact they wanted to know what was under the sheets on the table. So. But what I need this morning is I need about four, five, six volunteers who want to come up. All right, I got two over there. You're right there. John, all right. I'm looking for, you guys, come on up. Brandon, all right. Daniel, you're starting to move. All right, Nick. Okay. Uh, you know, some, some volunteers, some guys who want to, and girls, not just guys. You know, you're the, you're the ones that have like the... Uh, Model scale Millennial Falcon in your basement made out of Lego. You want to come up with some Lego creations, all right? So you have about five minutes while I do your in, my intro, and you can work as a team or as individuals, whatever you want to do, uh, to come up with uh, your, unique con- your unique Lego creation, all right? So three, two, one, go. <laughs> so uh, while they're doing that, if you're uh, joining us, or maybe you just need a quick refresher, uh, we're on the third week of a four-week sermon series called Be Happy. And uh, it's a uh, series in which we're not just looking at, you know, emotional happiness and, you know, kind of that, that I want to be happy, but we're looking at that deep down sense of meaning. And maybe as we're going through this series I, I call them the what about questions. You have a lot of, well, what about that? And what about this? And what about, uh, you know, how does that make sense with this? And uh, if you have a lot of what about questions, um, uh, one of the places that I'm kind of reading from at this time as we go through this series, it's called the Storyline Blog by Donald Miller. Uh, and so if you have some what about questions around this topic, I would encourage you to go and look it up just Type into Google Storyline Blog and it'll come up. Uh, and there's a book and an audio book. And there's actually uh, a, an actual video series that you can go through. And it takes you on an in-depth process through some of these steps that we've been talking about. And so... Um, on, in week one, we, uh, we looked at the fact that uh, if you have a pulse... Do you guys remember it? If you have a pulse... You have a purpose, all right? I wasn't as many of you joining in as I thought you should, all right? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose, all right? So whether you like it or not, you were created with a purpose. You were created for something. You were created with a foundation in God's story. And the fact that he has offered you a foundation in Christ and that we need to make room for the Spirit in order to grow in us. And on week two, which was, we had a couple weeks off in the middle because I was, was, and my wife and family were dealing with a a family crisis. And we came back last week to talk on week uh, two about um, dealing with life's past hurts. And that in the midst of our troubles, we cannot, we cannot round up enough expectancy for the goodness that God is going to pour out in our lives. That regardless of what is happening, regardless of what situations are hemming us in, that God is desiring, His Holy Spirit is pouring out His goodness in our lives. And this week is week three. 
And this week, is, the sermon is called Your Project. And uh, we're dealing with this term called calling. And that term calling, it's kind of an elusive term and it means a lot to different people. But a lot of the times, calling has this sense of duty. This sense of these are the things that we're supposed to do. These are the things you need to do. You don't get a say in it. It's not, maybe there's even a guilt uh, part in it that, you know, you have to do it. There's, you, you're guilted into doing it. And this morning, I want to I kind of clear that away. And I want to say, when we're talking about calling this morning, we have a very simple definition. It's a sense of alignment between who you are and what you do. It's this very simple idea that there is a a synchronization between how you were made and what you are doing. Does that make sense? In fact, we've also been stumbling through uh, some of Viktor Frankl's works. And in his book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, he writes this. One should not search for an abstract meaning of life. Everyone has his own specific vocation or mission in life to carry out a concrete assignment which demands fulfillment. Therein, he or she cannot be replaced, nor can his or her life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is as unique as is his specific opportunity to implement it. This morning, I I brought uh, a lovely book with me. It's a, uh, this is my thesis for my master's. It's a big black book that sits on my desk and collects dust. But it's called, if you can, if you could get close enough to read it, it's called Developing an Ecclesiology Based Upon Kaleidoscope Atonement Theory. If that doesn't put you to sleep, I don't know what will. But as I was going through uh, my master's and as I was starting to do this, you have to do thesis proposals and you have to do research proposals and all those kinds of things. And there's this phrase that continually comes up over and over and over again as you go through it. And it's, what is your unique contribution to your field? What is it that you are going to be contributing to your field? And that's a strange uh, term, unique contribution. In fact, I don't know if you've ever taken some time to think about your uniqueness, how unique you are. What are the odds? I, just, I had this idea, and so I just quick Googled it. But what are the odds that you actually exist? You, like not, not all of us, not humanity, you specifically. Whatever your name is, put it in, you know, put it in the blank, that you exist. Well, there's an author, Ali uh, Benazir, uh, who attempts to quantify the probability that you came about and exist as you do today and reveals that the odds of you existing are almost zero. In fact, let's start small. So, you know, you had a mom and a dad. So what is the probability of your dad meeting your mom? So though the world was smaller 20 years ago, uh, your dad could have met almost 200 million of its women. All right? But 
he's not going to meet them all, obviously. But over his 25 years, uh, Ali uh, estimates he probably met around 10,000 women, you know, just passing by in the supermarket, whatever. 10,000 women he came across. So the, re- the reality is the odds that your mom was in the small group that even they crossed paths is about 1 in 20,000. But we know, we know that love can kind of be a tricky thing. Uh, so what's the, re- what's the probability that they stayed together long enough to have kids? Well, first of all, it's about a 1 in 10 chance that they actually even talk to each other, right? Because sometimes you just, you know, crossing on the street. So 1 in 10 chance they even talk together. There's a 1 in 10 chance that even after they got the first date, that it worked out and they went on a second date. There's about a 1 in 10 chance that they keep keep dating for a while. If you're still looking for love, I don't want to be like a downer at this point, but... (laughs) It's stacking up against you. Uh, <coughs> it's about a coin toss that they stayed together long enough to have kids. And thus, the odds that your parents meeting that would result in kids is about 1 in 2,000. So 1 in 2,000 that they would meet and they both would want to have kids and actually have that. And set out to have kids. So, so far, if you combine the odds of the meeting combine the odds of it working out, that they want to have kids, it's about 1 in 40 million. That's, that's about less odds than the size of the population of Canada. So like your existence in this, you know, the, the uh, nation of Canada. See, now things are going to get interesting, and I don't, I'm not going to get into, you know, it gets pretty, you know, in-depth, but just the reality of the reproduction process uh, is, I'll just sum it up. It's about 1 in 400 quadrillion. All right, if you can wrap your mind around that number. That is approximately the volume in cubic meters of the Atlantic Ocean. So a, a cubic meter of water in the Atlantic Ocean. All right, that's the probability that it all works out. But in fact, we're just getting started. What are the odds that your lineage would remain unbroken for the length of human history? It's 1 in 10 with 2,685,000 zeros after it. That's a lot of zeros. How large is that number? Um, That number is not just larger than all the particles in the universe, it is larger than all the particles in the universe if each particle itself were a universe. Did you get that? Because I didn't. But that number is not just large than all the particles in the universe, it is larger than all the particles in the universe if, if each particle were itself a universe. We're talking about some bad odds here. Think of it like this. It's the probability of 2 million people, so for us we'll say about the size of Toronto. If everybody in the size of Toronto decided they were going to play a game of dice, and to play this game of dice, they used a trillion-sided dice, (laughs) all right? If everybody in Toronto, 2 million people, rolled a trillion, they each rolled a trillion-sided dice, the odds are the same as if they all rolled the exact same number. 
For example, like 550 billion, 343 million, 279,000 and one, all right? Like if they all were able to roll a trillion-sided dice and it all fell on the exact same thing, that's the probability that you exist. That you exist as you are your uniqueness. See, you are very unique. There is no one like you. There will never be another person like you. But by just your existence, you will make a unique contribution to this world. By just being here, by just have being created, existing, you will contribute to this world in a unique way. So the question is, for this morning, what will that unique contribution look like? All right. Time's up. Your five minutes is up. What kind of creations we got here? All right. This team over here, we got a three-man spaceship, submarine. Yeah, John, I could have called that one. All right. Okay. What is this team over here? You got... You guys are, you came away with the spaceships. That was, that seems to be the popular, uh, popular theme. All right. Uh, spaceship with a fishing expedition on the side of it. All right, that's good. Good stuff. All right, you guys can sit down. Yeah, give me a hand. This morning, I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture, and unlike last week where we read an entire chapter, this morning we're going to look at just two verses. So if you want, you can open them, you can un- open your Bibles or underline them, or they'll be on the screen, but it's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 5, and that's all we're going to talk about this morning. First Corinthians 12, verse 4, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Now I imagine when we set out this morning, and I'm saying we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, that, you know, all of us is unique, we all have unique spiritual gifts. I imagine that everyone in this room probably falls into three categories in regards to spiritual gifts. The first category is I know my spiritual gifts, and I'm using them in some capacity. And so, for you, that's great. I don't have a whole lot to say to you, because you did what it said. You're using your spiritual gift, and that's great. But maybe you're not, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, or you're not using them, so you would fall into one of the other two categories. The second category is, I don't know what my gifts are, or I have no gifts. Maybe you're a little more emphatic about it. You have no gifts. Well, the reality is, is verse 7, as it goes on, it says, each one of you has been given a gift. So before we can go any further, doesn't matter if you think you have a gift or if you don't know what that gift is, you have a gift. And before we go any further, if, if that's you in that category and you're saying, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are or I, I, don't, I have no spiritual gifts, we actually have a spiritual gift course that's going to be going on in a couple weeks. And there's a sign-up sheet. In fact, there's a table outside in the lobby that's kind of the sermon follow-up for this morning. And on that table, one of the things you'll find is a sign-up sheet to take a course with Lori Given about spiritual gifts. 
where you will unpack what spiritual gifts are, what they look like, how they can be applied in your life. And you'll actually take something called a spiritual gifts inventory that will actually help you identify what spiritual gifts you have. So if you're in that category, I want you after the service to head out, throw your name down on on that list. If it doesn't work out for you to take that course, that's okay because we still want a point of contact with you where we can begin to process with you about what your spiritual gifts are. But maybe you're not in that category. Maybe you're in the third category where you know what your gifts are, but for whatever reason, you're not using them. And I imagine, as I was thinking about this, there's probably two reasons, at least I'll stop at two reasons that you are not using your gifts. One is, more simply, I don't know where my gifts are needed. And that's a really easy, easy answer to, uh, to fix. Because we have, and just before I go on, this is not about volunteerism, okay? That's not what this is about. But if, if you, uh, you know, if there's a, if you, <laughs> okay, sorry, if, uh, if you don't know where your gifts are needed, we have ways of plugging you in. The second reason, I, I imagine it's a little more complica- complicated, you're saying, oh, there's a better gift that's over there. You know, maybe I do, I think I do this really well. I, you know, I can sing. That's my spiritual gift. But, well, that singer over there sings better than I do, so I'm just going to let them use their spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to do that. And so, for both cases, I want to just say, first of all, this is not about volunteerism. I don't know if you are like me, have been in, I grew up in the church, I've been in a lot of sermons about spiritual gifts, and normally the bottom line application on sermons about spiritual gifts is, we need more Sunday school helpers. (laughs) We need more VBC helpers. We need more youth sponsors. We need more ushers. Or, or you know, we're trying to plug you in to to do something. And I just want to reassure you that is not what we're talking about this morning. In fact, what we're talking about this morning is you have been gifted, you have been placed in this community, and for you to use your gifts is not for the betterment of this community, although it will make a better community. It is for your fulfillment. God designed you to have a purpose. God designed you to be using your gifts. God designed you with a calling. In fact, you're making the contribution that God has given you to feed your soul, to feed your calling, to feed your sense of purpose, your fulfillment, your happiness. And that's what we're talking about this morning. I just want to go on. Verse 5. Pick it up in verse 5. It says, There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Now that word service, that's actually not just uh, like service as in serving tables. It's not just service as in, you know, cleaning, cleaning up and, and, you know, with your broom after, after the youth or something like that. That word, I think a better word probably for that is actually roles. The roles you play. There are different roles, but, God, but uh, sorry, there are different roles, but we serve the same God or, or we use those roles for the same glory. See, 
So often we stop at verse 4. We stop at that volunteerism question. And the question on the table is, are you doing something? You know, the pastor will get up and say, are you doing something? Are you active? Are you whatever? Are you doing something? You need to do something. But in fact, that's actually falling short of the question that Paul is implicitly saying here. The better question that Paul is giving us is, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And that is a very different question. Because we all have different roles to play. Do you know that? There's a saying, and maybe you've heard of this saying, maybe you haven't. But the saying goes, you are going to disappoint people. You better make sure it's the right people. Have you ever heard that? You are going to disappoint people. You better make sure it's the right people. See, we have a limited number of roles that we can play at one time. And we need to make sure that the roles that we are playing are the roles we're supposed to be playing. Think, think about the roles that you play. I, I just threw a list, real quick list together. And this is not a comprehensive list by any means. In fact, I would encourage you, even as I'm talking and reading the list, write down, you know, four or five roles that you play that are the most important roles to you. See, we have a limited number of roles we can play. I like to use five for no other reason than I have five fingers, all right? It's not anything deep, all right? Five, five roles. Some people can play more roles. Some people need to play less roles. But if you could pick off five roles off that list and whatever else you're going to add to it that you play, think about in your relationships, whether you're a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, an uncle, a grandmother. Maybe it's in your workplace. You're a business owner. Maybe it's profession-oriented, like you're a writer or a designer or uh, a musician or you know, a teacher or whatever it is. Uh, maybe, or just more generally, a coworker or myself, a pastor. Uh, maybe you're a role model. A leader. Maybe it's an athlete. You're a mentor or an advocate. You're a volunteer. Or maybe specifically something, a role you play in this church, a Sunday school teacher, a trustee, a VBC helper, a youth worker, an usher, whatever it is. Think of five roles that you're going to play. The five most important roles. The five roles that you need to play. If you're like me, you've already got husband and father taking up two of your three, or two of your five. You only got three left. We have a limited number of roles that we can play. And if I want to be able to say yes to certain roles, I need to be able to say no to not roles that I need to play. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Steph and I are both uh, competent worship leaders. We uh, used to play in a band. In fact, I was just told last week we were still getting airplay on Faith FM, which I find hard to believe, but apparently they heard us. Uh, And so 
we get asked from time to time to come and lead worship at certain places. And there is nothing wrong with leading worship. You know that? There is nothing wrong with doing that. But there are times that in order to say yes to going and leading worship somewhere, it means I'm going to have to say no to spending time with my kids. And I better be okay with that. No, I'm not saying that one decision is right or one decision is wrong, but I'm saying when you say yes to something, when you say yes to a role, do you fully intend that that is the thing that you should be saying yes to? That there's something else that you're going to say no to as a result, and you are okay with that. You are going to disappoint certain people. You better be okay with the people you're disappointing. There's an author, his name's Bob Goff, and he says one of the easiest, or one of the questions maybe you should ask yourself is, how is this working for you? Or, better put, how is this working for the people around you? See, that one's more tricky, isn't it? Are the people you're saying no to, are the people you're going to disappoint, are they the people you should be saying no to? See, there is no guilt in quitting. There's no guilt in doing what God has not called you to do. In fact, if you feel guilty doing something God has not called you to do, then it's probably because you have something else going on. It's probably because your focus is not on what God's calling you to, but it's on a sense of guilt or duty or people-pleasing or what I need to do. There's no problem with not doing what God has not called you to do. Do you know that? There's a number of different reasons that we do things that we're not called to do. But I just want to say the first thing that we need to recognize is that before Jesus did anything... He was baptized by John. And do you remember what God said? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Not by whom I am well pleased. Not I am pleased because of what he has done. I am pleased in him. In who he is. See, calling is this sense of alignment between our gifts and our roles. It's that we're playing the roles we were meant to play. We're using the gifts that we were given in those roles. See, our challenge for this morning is there is nobody like you. There is no one like you. There is no one with your gifts who plays your roles in your context. There is nobody like you. You are unique. The reason I, I had those, the guys and girls come up and, and make some Lego creations is because I, I grew up with Lego. I love Lego. This is actually my Lego collection from when I was a kid that I picked up from my got out of parents' storage uh, yesterday afternoon. You guys know a Lego brick? It's a two by four, right? Two dots by four dots. A small little brick. If you take two Lego bricks, simple two by four brick, two by four brick, 
You can combine those bricks in 24 different combinations. Two bricks of the same color. We're not even talking about color combination. So, you know, I can put them like this, or I can put them like this, or I can put them like this. 24 different ways you can combine those bricks. In fact, if you take three bricks, you can combine them in 1,060 different combinations. In fact, if you add another three bricks and you have six bricks, it's 915,103,765 different ways. The uniqueness of six blocks stacked on top of each other is nothing in comparison to you. It's nothing in comparison to the specific calling you have on your life. The alignment of who you are and what you do. And so after the service, there's a table in the lobby that has a bucket of Lego in it. Sorry, it has a bucket of Lego on it with Lego in it. And that Lego is for you. I want you all to go to that, that bucket, grab a piece of Lego, and take it home with you. Put that Lego somewhere visible. Somewhere where you're going to run across it, where you're going to meet it. I took mine and drilled a hole in it and made a keychain. I can keep it with my keys because I'm constantly in my car. Put it somewhere that you are going to run across it. Your bathroom counter. Maybe you could stick a magnet on it, put it on your fridge. Uh, you know, stick it on the kitchen counter or put it in your car like myself. Wherever it is that you're going to run across it. And each day, as you look at that piece of Lego, a piece that you've picked out, there's, it's not all two by fours. They're all unique. It's a mixed barrel, all right? The piece that you picked out that's unique to you, I want you to ask yourself every day when you run across that, what is it that God has uniquely positioned me for today? What is it that God is calling me to today? How is it that God is going to use what I do and the giftings I've been given today? Have you ever, you ever been stuck in a job that you didn't like? Yeah, you, you don't have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. James has talked about his plumbing days and, you know, cutting open pipes and finding whatever. Uh, for me, I, I've told James about this. I had a job... Uh, in university, I worked for a greeting card company in the returns department. And so when they couldn't sell cards, they'd, they'd ship them back to the uh, plant and we'd sort them. And all summer for four months, you got one of two jobs every day. The first job, which I think was a little bit more exciting, all right? So this is how high the bar is going to be. The more exciting job was I would stand along a conveyor belt and they would dump all the cards on the conveyor belt way out there. And I would have 16 boxes, each with a specific card. And I would sit there and wait for one of my 16 cards to come down the conveyor belt. And when it came down, I'd grab it and put it in the right box. Grab it and put it right there. Eight hours a day, that's all I did. Just grab it and put it in the box. When the box was full, you got to push it down uh, you know, some little rollies, and that was about the highlight of what you got to do, all right? 16 cards all day. You'd have those, those card faces memorized by the time that day was done. 
That was the more exciting of the two jobs. The worst job was you sat at a counter, and when you pushed those boxes down, they'd come down, uh, you know, little rollies, and you'd grab them off, and you'd put them on your desk, and then you'd count them out, and you'd bag them, bags of six, and then eight small bags of six would go in a big bag, which would make 48, 48 in a box, and then you take the box and put it on the skid to be recycled. Why it was six? Why it was 48? I worked there for four months. I still have no idea. It was the most monotonous job. There was days you could not peel me out of my bed to go and count cards. I don't know if you've experienced a job like that, but there is something liberating when summer ends and you get to go back to school. It's probably the only time I've looked forward to going back to school. The difference between a job that you hate and the job that you, you know, don't want to do that is just so monotonous and doing a job that you love is night and day, isn't it? If you've ever been plugged into doing something that you love, even if it's just a hobby or something, you can work at that and hours will go by and you won't even notice. You think, oh, we're done already? The difference between being out of alignment with what you are called to do and being in that sense of purpose is night and day. Imagine what it would be like to wake up every morning knowing I have only five roles to do this morning. God has gifted me so amazingly for these five roles and I'm going to accomplish what God has for me with the most amazing joy. That's where we want to be. That alignment of calling between who we are and how we've been gifted. Because God has that for each and every one of us. God has a calling for you. And it's not a sense of guilt. It's a sense of blessing, of joy. And so why don't you stand with me this morning? Because I just want to pray over top of you that you will experience this week that sense of joy, that sense of calling. Stand with me. Father, I just thank you that you have called these people. In fact, your scripture says that we are the ones called out. That you have a calling on our life, some, a place of synchronization between how you have gifted us and the roles you have for us to play. So, Father, this morning, help us to understand our spiritual gifts. Pour out your spiritual gifts upon these people, that they would recognize that they are gifted beyond their wildest dreams, that you have given them something to enrich their soul, to enrich the community around them, to enrich the church, to enrich the kingdom of God. And Father, I ask that you would bless them as they wrestle through applying those gifts in their roles. Father, that you would allow us to bring on the roles onto our plate that you are calling us to. That we would keep what you have called us to front and center. And those things that are being pushed onto our plate by others or by ourselves or whatever else is pushing them on, that we would be able to let those roles go that we would be okay with knowing we are saying yes to you and we are saying no to the other things. Father, I pray this week that you would remind us as we look at those 
those Lego pieces, wherever we put them, that you are calling us to say yes to you. You are calling us to say yes to your calling on our life. In your holy name, amen.